title this morning's message, Lessons from a Godly Mother. We will be back into the book of Titus uh, to get into the continue on our exposition. I also do want to mention to you, so you don't think I forgot it, I will be having one message, I have been working on that, that will deal with the concept of, as I told you, as the balance of how to love your enemies and then rejoice, in effect, over when justice is done uh, and that, uh, that type of balance. So we'll, uh, I will keep that to one message, and that's part of the challenge as well, not only to study the material, but to get it in there. But today, I did want to take a, a moment, last week was a little different, to deal with some things that I believe will be principles for all of us, but the focus will be on the ladies today. The focus will be on mothers currently and mothers that will be mothers one day. And um, we, there are things that we can all learn, and I uh, pray that God would challenge all of our hearts from today. And again, I do wish you all a happy Mother's Day. When you think of motherhood, it is not a very easy job. And it is a job. You know, that used to be a joke. Uh, uh, what do you do for work? Well, my wife doesn't work. She's at home. Really? That's not an understanding of motherhood. The concept of bearing children, keeping her husband happy, meals, 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 laundry, 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 and more laundry, and diapers and diapers, and that keeps going on, and that's the easy part. Then the cleaning and the cleaning, and more cleaning, and the complaints, and the complaints, and the complaints, and the attitudes, and the psychological struggles with children and with the husbands, and in some cases, even outside work, and other cases, constant bus and cab service. These things sound familiar? I think so. Managing finances, shopping, paying bills. My list goes on, but I better stop because I'm getting tired. It's just, really, we take this for granted. And uh, as Chris very aptly said, none of us would be here if it wasn't for our mothers today. So I want to say, sincerely, uh, we want to thank you for what you do and more importantly, for who you are. And I thank God that we have in this church a number of godly mothers. And it is a real encouragement. Today, I hope to encourage by looking at example of a godly mother for you who are mothers and for those who are mothers to be. And I don't mean necessarily expecting, although there could be some in our audience in that situation, but some of you young girls who one day would be mothers. And I have chosen to do that as I prayed about it, to take Mary. Oh, great. You know, if I thought about this after I did, and, you know, sure, he's going to take either Proverbs 31, the perfect mother, or the mother of Jesus, and then he's going to try to encourage us. Right. Pastor Dan, get with it. But um, I do think that, you know, super mom number one would be Mary because of who was birthed through her, or the virtuous woman. But I want to say this right at the outset. You may be surprised 
in looking at Mary, while she is indeed the most, there's no question about it, she's not only blessed, she is the most blessed mother of all women who have ever lived, including Eve. Why? Because she was the one that God chose through whom the Messiah was birthed. No question. But really, she was just an ordinary woman. She was no superstar. She was a godly woman, we will see this morning, and mightily blessed of the Lord. And in fact, I personally believe that she is a woman that is to be, now listen carefully, emulated, but not worshipped. Emulated, but not prayed to. Emulated, but she is not a co-redemptist, nor is she a person that dispenses any particular grace to anyone. But she is a woman to learn from. And as we've even gone along with time this morning, and to, to move it ahead, you have an outline there. I want you to think about this. Just consider as you're thinking about Mary, first of all, her humility or her humbleness. We find it right away in verse 26, and I will try to highlight a few things for us, and we can all learn. And again, if you're here this morning as a man or a young boy, these principles here are ones that are applicable to us as well. But certainly, ladies and mothers, some things to look at and some young ladies. Her humility. First of all, it says in verse 26, <clears throat> Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. Well, that doesn't seem to be too exciting. Doesn't seem to be an awful lot there. Well, she was a descendant of David. We know that from Luke chapter 3, which we will not get to today, because she had to be in order for the Messiah to come through her. It had to come through the line of David. And so she's going to be connected to David, but as we find out she's from Nazareth, she was probably and most likely a very poor girl. Now, why would you say that, Pastor Dan? First of all, she was from the poorest area of Galilee at the time. If you go historically and study that area, that area, the area of Nazareth, was a very poor area. So it wasn't like she came into the world with riches. I think if she had, the Lord wouldn't have used her probably that way. She didn't come in that way. She came in just as an ordinary girl uh, in a poor city. And you see that. If you look for a second, for example, um, in verse 48, you go and you look. He says in she says in verse 48, what you read, for he has re she, he had regard for the humble state of his born servant. For behold, from this time all generations will count me blessed. But she was simply a humble little girl. That's all she was. She wasn't this proud individual. And in, in another indication, maybe, of her humbleness might be to us. Well, this one's close by. Let's turn to chapter 2. Chapter 2, I think it is. Yes, in chapter 2 of Luke, verse 24, 
And when she took the Lord Jesus Christ later to be circumcised, you notice this, it says in verse 24, and to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of God, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, we won't do that, but why, why did she offer that? Well, if you go back in the Old Testament, that was God's provision for the most poor person. The ones who couldn't afford to have a lamb, the ones who couldn't afford to have that, what God allowed was they could come and bring a turtle dove. And when she comes to present the Lord Jesus Christ, even for circumcision in the temple, that's what she brings. Another indication that economically she didn't have much. Her very name means bitter, in case you didn't know that. It's the, the Hebrew equivalent in the Old Testament was Miriam. Mary is the same connection with Miriam in the Old Testament. And so she comes from humble means. She came from a town. Turn with me to John chapter 1. John chapter 1 for a moment. Again, to help you appreciate, Mary was just an ordinary little girl with not an awful lot of money coming from a town that was actually disdained by many. Why would you say that, Pastor Dan? In John chapter 1, remember this? Let me read verses 43 to 46 to you. The next day, he proposed to go into Galilee, and he found Philip, and Jesus said to them, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him, of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Now, you may look at that, and if you have a little bit of theological background and a little bit of theological knowledge, say, well, that's because the Messiah couldn't be born in Nazareth. Oh, yes, that's true. But historically and also linguistically, the way that's presented, it is way beyond just the birthplace of the Messiah. He was very clear, can there be anything good in Nazareth? And I can say this with full confidence in case anybody happens to live in the city that I mentioned. It would be the equivalent of anybody saying, can anybody, can anything good come out of Lawrence? And you might sit there and say, Pastor Dan, you're insulting me. Look, I grew up in Lawrence, I can say that. But I'm going to tell you something. I know what it was like because if you lived in Andover, or you lived in North Andover, or you lived in... Wellesley, or places like, but if you lived in Lawrence, you know, it was almost despised. So people might talk about Roxbury that way. You know what I'm getting at. We know those areas. That's what we're dealing with. So when you talk about humility, this was not someplace, oh yeah, she was born in the White House, so she was born. No, no, no. She was just a poor girl in a town that was despised, that people didn't even like because of its... Uh, Pornous, if you will, very poor speech there. Um, she was not an only child. I don't know if you knew that. But Mary was not an only child. How do you know that, Pastor Dan? Uh, there's a lot of things I wanted to say, but we'll get to some of this. John chapter 19. Go there for a second. You knew this. You say, no, I didn't. Well, then you weren't paying attention when I studied the book of John. <laughs> so we just woke you up. John chapter 19. Remember this? This is at the crucifixion. And the Lord's on the cross, verse 25, very quickly. 
Therefore the soldiers did these things, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister. See, I'll just stop right there. She was not an only child. So she was in a multiple family household. She didn't have a lot of money. She was just an ordinary girl. She was also, and I won't turn to this, but you know it from the context anyway, she was the relative of the mother of John the Baptist. Well, you say, that's wonderful. Wait a minute now. John the Baptist is going to be considered a guy that's pretty odd. He is going to be a guy that's out in the wilderness, and he's got strange attire on, and he eats strange food, and he calls and yells at people and tells them to repent and gets upset, and people thought this guy was strange. And she's a relative to that guy. And so that's the, the world that she's going to grow up in. Um, and what happens as you go on and take a look at her, she was nothing more than probably a young teenage girl with a poor family, not in a renowned time at all. And if you go back to Luke chapter 29, uh, chapter 1, um, and you look at it, she was even perplexed by the statement. That's how humble she was. What do you mean? Look at verse 29. But she was very perplexed at the statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. And if you look at verse 30, it says, And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. In other words, that's a point of her humility again. Why? She didn't say, I knew it. I'm the best looking one of the block. I knew it. I'm the popular. Now, she's the one in high school that's going to win all the most likely to succeed and the most popular, the one everybody wants to be around. That's Mary, right? No, Mary's stunned. She's stunned. She's, there's no pride there. She doesn't say, oh, yeah, I knew this. I'm the one. I deserve this. She's perplexed by the statement. Just a humble young girl. So she's an ordinary, humble young girl, not in re a very well-liked town, doesn't have any credentials to speak of other than she is from the line of David. David. And the second area, let us jump right into it. She was also a young girl, however, not only that was humble, and that should be true with all of us, but she was willing to accept God's will. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to be ready to accept God's will for what our lot is in life. But you know, that was seen, listen carefully, while she was a young girl. Why do you say that, Pastor Dan? Verse 27, that angel came to a virgin. That's number one. To a virgin. She was a young girl that kept herself pure. And in case you don't think that that's the case, look at her own words in verse 34. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? And don't let anybody play with Hebrew or Greek words with you and tell you that she was something else. It's a young girl. She clearly says she never knew a man. She was a virgin. She saw the importance of following God's will. Listen, young ladies, I'm going to tell you this right now. No matter what our society is talking about, no matter what you think, there isn't a man out there that doesn't want to marry a virgin. They might like to fool around as young guys and so forth, just a practical statement, and, but when it comes to their wife, they want someone that's pure. Keep yourself pure. Don't listen to the world. 
young ladies. She was concerned about doing the will of God. Not only that, but it was evident in that she had an arranged marriage. Now, I'm not promoting arranged marriages in case you think I am. But the point was she accepted it. She was espoused, and that is really more than our engagement, but for simplicity, we usually use that to explain it. But she was espoused, according to verse 27, to a man whose name was Joseph, and she accepted it, and this guy was poor. He was just a carpenter. <clears throat> Again, he was in the right line. God knew that. But he didn't, she wasn't looking for the guy that was simply the money maker or the big famous guy or whatever, the guy that God had for her. She was willing to accept that as a young lady. A young lady that really was poor and from this small town. And, you know, our society is training people to look for the ones that are handsome and tall and rich. Listen, parents, get it right. You got to be more concerned that your child is finding the person that God wants for them, <coughs> period. <coughs> Excuse me. Glad we got the water. I say she not only accepted God's will, not only in her virginity, not only in her accepting the man that God wanted for her, but even in God's decision. Look at this. It's amazing. Verse 38, and Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord. Where did she say that? After she said in verse 34, How can this be? I have never had relations with a man. How can I even have a child? And God says to her, Listen, supernaturally, the Holy Spirit is where this child is coming from. And she didn't turn around and turn around as if it was deserved or anything else or say it's impossible. She just simply said, if that's what God wants, so be it. And a godly woman is a humble woman. A godly woman takes the will of God, whatever it is, even when it might not be what appears to be famous and what might not appear to be even according to reason in this particular case. And in, I won't have the time to spend on it, though I have it in my notes, and I'll tell you this. You might sit, sit there and say, wow, but this is terrific. The, the Son of God, wait a minute. Do you realize the shame that she is about to face? And she's willing for it. In fact, didn't the angel have to talk to Joseph because Joseph didn't want to take her, but he wanted to put her away so that she would not be abused? She could have been stoned because she was pregnant, and she wasn't through the formal marriage ceremony, and it wasn't Joseph. She had to face all of that, potentially, and she simply said, if that's God's will, nothing immoral here, but if that's God's will, whatever comes in my way, I'm willing to accept it. And she says, I bow down to you as a bond slave. May it be done according to your word. What an example. We need mothers who are humble mothers, who are mothers that are ready to take God's will. You know, it may not be all fame. You know, you might not win American Idol mothers, but you ought to be an American Idol if you're walking with God. And your husband should see it that way, and your children should see it that way. 
You might not get all the fame of the world, but if you're willing to walk with God, and if you're willing to have his will in your life, and you're willing to put up with that husband that he stuck you with, and you're willing to, to put up with all of that stuff day in and day out, you are blessed, and you are exemplary, and you're exactly what our young girls and boys need to see. And you be encouraged to walk with God and to walk humbly. She even was willing to go where he went. Uh, when she was pregnant, you'll go into a whole thing on that. Thirdly, because I want to get to it, she was not only a humble person and willing to do what God had, no matter whether it made sense to her or not. The third thing that's obvious is she knew God and his word and how we need mothers and women who are humble, are willing to do whatever God wants, and they know God and they know his word. Now, why do you say that, Pastor Dan? Well, your responsive reading, and I, I know there's a lot in between, but your responsive reading, go to verse 46 for a minute. And Mary said, my soul exalts the Lord. Where do you think she got that idea from? Would you turn with me to, well, let's go to two of them. Go to Psalm 34. Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times, it says in verse 1. Go down to verse 2. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. Psalm 35. Look at verse 9. And my soul shall rejoice in the Lord and exalt in his salvation. That's exactly what Mary is repeating. And there's other passages, not just in the Psalms, but in other passages in the Old Testament. And that's what Mary says when it came and she goes to Elizabeth and she hears about what's happening in her life and the Savior's going to come through. Mary turns around and says, my soul exalts in the Lord. She knew him. She knew the Psalms, at least. And she goes on, verse 47, in my spirit has rejoiced, where? Watch this, in God my Savior. She knew the book of Isaiah. I went through that with the children in school. We talk about presenting the gospel, and, 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 and uh, Scott talked a little bit about that this morning, and presenting the gospel. You don't need the New Testament to have to present the gospel. You can present it from the Old Testament. In Isaiah 45 is an example just off the top. In Isaiah 45, he clearly says, God is speaking and says, I am the one and only God. There is no Savior beside me. Mary knew it. She knew what the Old Testament said. And she needed the Savior. She was someone that knew salvation. She was someone that knew the Word of God. And I do want to just take a moment in cases, some that don't have that understanding. Nowhere in Scripture does it call for Mary to be worshipped. Nowhere. Mary was a sinner like I'm a sinner, like you're a sinner. She was not some special girl who was sinless. She needed a Savior as well. As well. In fact, since we're in Luke, this is worth turning to. You think that it's, uh, she's remained that way, for example? Go with me to Luke chapter 11 for something. I, I want you to see this. 
just to encourage you ladies. In Luke chapter 11, verse 27, watch. Jesus is teaching here in the midst, okay? And this is when they were saying what Jesus is doing is of Satan. That was the context. And Jesus is teaching. And watch this, verse 27. After some people witnessed this teaching, they turn around and say, while Jesus was saying these things, one of the women in the crowd, this is a woman now, raised her voice and said to him, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast uh, at which you nursed. That's pretty practical, right? They basically turn to Jesus and say, boy, that woman, she's special. Jesus, watch what he says in the next verse. But he said, on the contrary, she's no special woman. On the contrary, blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. The world right there was ready to turn to Mary and say, wow, she's special. She's a very, she's blessed and we should have done, wait a minute, no, no. As important as it was for that, the ones that are really blessed are the ones that come to know the Lord. She did not remain a virgin. According to Matthew chapter 1 and verse 25, it says that Joseph did not have relations with her until after Jesus was born. You say, well, that doesn't prove anything that they really... Go with me to Matthew 13. We probably should take a second look at that. Matthew 13. Verses 55 and 56. Is not this the carpenter's son? He answers, yes. Is not his mother, no question here, called Mary? Yes. And his what? Brothers, James and Joseph and Simon, and Judas, and his sisters. Jesus had half-brothers and half-sisters, folks. How did that happen? Because Mary had other children. You say, and I've heard this argument, by the way, well, it's really, when it's saying brethren, they're naming them specifically, but it's, it's the disciples, the brethren. Really? You know better than that. Why? Because you studied the book of John. You say, Pastor Dan, what are you talking about? Go to John chapter 2 for a minute. I don't remember that one, Pastor Dan. Well, probably because you didn't look close enough. Chapter 2, verse 12. Look at this. After this, he went down to Capernaum. Watch this. He and his mother and his brothers and his disciples. They distinguish between the disciples and the brothers. His brothers went down. And the point is this. Don't let the world think, make you think that Mary is someone to be prayed to. You know what? You pray directly to God. And you go there through Jesus Christ. Mary is no co-redemptist. The only redeemer is the same one that Mary needed and it's Jesus Christ. And she recognized it. She knew the word of God right here in our context. And back there in Luke chapter 1, and I could go all the way through, all the way through chapters 1, verse 46 to verse 55, and I'll tell you this, in every one of those verses, Mary is spewing out of her mouth Old Testament passages. And in verse 48, she says, and he has regard for my humble estate 
of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. And if you went back and looked at Psalm 136 on your own, you'd see the connection. And there's also another connection here, by the way, to Hannah that you'd find in 1 Samuel. She was probably very, very familiar with Hannah and how Hannah prayed after the Lord blessed her life. What are we saying? Listen, mothers, really what makes Mary special is that, yes, she delivered Jesus Christ. But also, what makes her someone to look up to is she was a very humble woman. She was a, a woman who was willing to accept what God had for her. She was a woman who knew God personally and knew his word. Ladies, memorize scripture. Know the word of God. Pass on that heritage to your sons and daughters. Be that godly example. Young ladies, as you're growing up, be the person that's a humble person that's willing to accept what God has for your life. Let him lead. Let him guide. And stay close to him. Know the word. Know the Lord personally. Don't worry about what the world thinks. You know, there's always growing up as young people, you wonder, who am I going to marry? What is it going to be like? If you walk with God now, he'll take care of all of that. And mothers, you may not get your reward here on earth. It's true. But keep being the godly women that God has for you in your life and leave the rest to him. Don't worry about Hollywood. Don't worry about all the glamour. Don't worry about whether you're poor or you're rich. All of that is going to fade away. And the last part that I have for you in your notes, I'll be simple with this one. And we'll just look at the passage in Luke because of time. But also, she's a woman to model, not because she birthed Jesus Christ. That's special. But because she was humble, because she was willing to accept God's will, because she knew the Lord and she knew the word, and also because of the way she handled her children. In what way? Her relationship with her children. She knew that her children were a blessing from God. If you have children, it's because God has blessed your life. They, children are a gift from God. Every one of my children are a gift from God. Every one of your children are a gift from God. But whose children are they? God's, not yours. Sometimes as parents, we just went through this in a parenting class. Sometimes as parents, we, we don't want to let them go. And we're, we're watching, oh, we've got to be everywhere they are, and we're following them all over the place. They're God's children. Mary understood that. You say, where? Well, there's several examples, and we could follow it all the way through. But let's look at Luke chapter 2. Get down to verse 41. I know you're familiar with it. And his parents went to Jerusalem. They were doing what they're supposed to be doing every year, the Feast of the Passover, verse 42, 41, verse 42. And when they be, he became 12, not quite a teen, now they get the word preteen, right, I guess, but almost there, then what? They went up there according to the custom of the feast, and they were returning after spending the full number of days, and the boy Jesus, he was a boy, Stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents were unaware of it. How could they be unaware? Irresponsibility. No. 
they went over in big families and they were all together and people cared for one another. You didn't have to worry about some of the things you have to worry about today. They cared. But also he was busy doing something as you're, as you're well aware. But supposing him to be, watch, with the caravan. They went a day's journey. They were looking for him among their relatives and acquaintances. See, they all cared for one another. This was not that type of situation. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking the questions. All who heard were amazed, and they understood uh, at his understanding and answers. And they saw him. Uh, they were astonished that his mother said to them, Son, why did you treat us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And it was true. She felt the pain of motherhood. She knew what that was like. And he said to them, why is it that you were looking for me? He didn't say mom, but that's the idea. Did you not know that I had to be about my father's business? This was not a case in case you think it was derogatory of saying, hey, mom, get out of my life. That's not it at all. Not at all. The Lord had respect even all the way through when you get to the wedding feast at Cana. That was still respect for his mother. That was not out of line when he said woman to her. We don't have the time for that this morning. But we have studied it in John. But the point is, he had respect. But he had a greater responsibility. He was about his father's business. And she accepted that. She pondered it. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Why? She knew that her son was not really hers. Now, she also knew, and it's fair, that her son was a special son. But our children are not ours. Love them. Cherish them. Enjoy them, but they're not ours. And where that greatly is going to show, listen, all parents, is when they stand before God. We need to be preparing our children for eternity. And let me start with us, fathers and mothers. If you don't know the Lord as your Savior, how in the world are you going to prepare them for eternity in knowing God? starts with our relationship. In this particular case, this mother knew God. She was able to accept God's will because she did know God. And she could yield to the Spirit of God. She did know the Word of God. This is not academics, it's practical. It's in everyday life. The world is going to fill and saturate your children with thinking that is so contrary to the things of God regarding men and women, husbands and wives, sex, drugs, and everything else you can think of. And we need godly mothers and godly fathers who know God and know the word of God and can train them the right way and release them back so that they can go on and live for God themselves. I think Mary's a good example, mothers, for you to look to. Not because she was super mom, she didn't have a cape, at least that I know of. Maybe she did have a cape in her wardrobe. But it didn't say Supermom on it. She wasn't chosen by God because she was the best looking or anything else. God looks on the heart. And this poor young girl had determined at a young age to walk with God and to accept what God had for her life and to know God and was used mightily. 
And let me tell you, mothers, today in closing, God will use you in a tremendous way if you have those same credentials in your life. Not the spectacular credentials that the world's looking for. Oh, you'll get the admonition of the world, if that's what you want, but it'll end there when you die. But if you want that which counts for all eternity, you will invest yourself with humility, with accepting what God has for you, whatever lot that is in life, where it is, who you are, that you will get to know him and know his word and walk with him, instill it in your children and let them go and let God do with them as he pleases. And you will hear, well done, thou faithful servant. And it's our heart's desire for all mothers. It's our heart's desire for all of us, but certainly today on Mother's Day. Let's close in a word of prayer. Mothers, please remember you do have some flowers out there and be gracious. I don't even know what they look like, but uh, allow for everybody to get some. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you for the example of Mary. And Lord, she was a special woman that was able to be chosen by you to birth the Messiah. But Father, how even religion has falsely represented Mary as <coughs> someone to be worshipped and someone to be prayed to. But we know that that's not the case. For Mary herself, by her own admission, recognized you as her God and Savior. We thank you that she is a godly example that can be looked up to by our young ladies and by our mothers. And once again, I thank you for the mothers that we have in Fellowship Bible Church who have not only come to know you and want to know the word of God, but, Father, have humbly taken their place in society and even with the ridicule that sometimes come from the world and have chosen rather to follow the things of God. We thank you for these ladies and mothers. And I pray, Father, you'd raise up more as the Lord tarries, and that, Father, from it, you would get all the praise and all the glory. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.